Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. I've missed you. Oh, I've missed you too. I've got to share with the listeners though, our little pre-warm-up discussion there was around. (laughs) So I got the giggles 30 seconds just before we're about to go and Anna told me I should think about grannies in their knickers. (laughs) I thought it would help. (laughs) That that so did not help. (laughs) Did not help. I don't know why I just thought like this is, it's a very serious thing. A bunch of grannies and their knickers. I thought it would be, I thought it would take the giggle right out of you. But then I reflected and thought, no, that's actually quite hilarious. (laughs) It is very hilarious. (laughs) I feel like that's what we want to aspire to be is like 85 year old little old ladies and their knickers. And why not? And I don't know why, but I've got a vision of them all sat in a circle, um, knitting at the same time. <gasps> yes. In the pants. <laughs> yes, and somebody's getting up to serve the tea. <laughs> because at 85, you have no rules to follow. You do not. You've already done your bit for life. <laughs> you might as well do whatever you want by that stage. Yes, indeed. Hanging around your knickers. <laughs> and I think that it would be Victoria's Secret knickers. Like, I don't think it should be any regular knicker. It should be like a... High class. They've got to be some swanky knickers. <laughs> a little see-through. Dig out, dig out your swanky knickers and start knitting. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> if you live to that age, that's the way that you treat yourself. I have to say, thinking about age, right? So the other day, I just suddenly thought, God, if I live till I'm 90... I've got my whole life to do again. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I've got the energy for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And it's a glass half full, half empty thing because I'm, we're middle age. Yeah. But I feel like my life has been really full and exciting and it's kind of getting a little exhausting. Like I, I feel like if yeah. I were to live this double life all over again, my God, what else am I going to do? I've already done a lot of stuff in yeah. life, really. So I'm, I'm not sure I've got enough left in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> in the tank. But isn't that a beautiful thing? Doesn't that say something about how you're living in the moment or that you, you're not feeling like things are half done or undone in your life yeah I think it's just the energy factor as well (laughs) Uh, okay okay fair enough (laughs) really I've got to do all that again (laughs) all that again and new stuff yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I was actually just thinking about that yesterday and thinking that life is actually really long it's really short but it's also really long like yeah there's a lot of stuff we can pack in there if we're you know, being attentive to shedding the things that aren't serving us and, you know, making sure that we're evaluating what is important in our lives and and living in our in our values. And if we're doing that, it gets quite exhausting. It's quite a marathon. Yeah. I think a few naps would be in order when we get there. (laughs) (laughs) I think a few naps are in order now. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. I'm a big fan of a nana nap. (laughs) Yeah. You remember you talking about that, a big nap fan. Oh, it's not better than quick snooze on the sofa. 
Oh. Fact, I might squeeze one in after this podcast. Yes, you're midday. <laughs> we'll have to start cooking dinner. <laughs> yes, no, you're allowed. I think nine in the morning would be too early for me. <laughs> Depends what time you got up, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's very true. If I got yeah. up at six forty-five, it means I can nap at nine a.m. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, how's your week been? Yeah, I was just about to ask you the same question. Oh, jinx. How has my week been? I think it's gone by really quick, actually. I can't even think how it's been. I think it's been okay. Mm, yeah, mm, I'm good. good. Productivity-wise? Yeah, it's been a usual busy week. Ah, I guess that's good. Mm. But you seem really relaxed, actually. You seem pretty content. Yeah, I feel quite chill today, actually. I went for a nice big run-stroke walk earlier, like a bit mm. of half run and half walking. Mm-hmm. I had a lovely catch-up with an old friend. So yeah, I feel quite chilled. Nice. Very good. Wonderful. I'm sore as always. Uh, I'm back on my paddleboard in a big way. Uh, Lake Ontario is kicking my ass. It's quite a lake to be reckoned with on your your paddleboard because the winds Mm. are quite crazy. So I'm back to my big arms, big sides, my muscles. I can't fit into shirts anymore. (laughs) Because as you know, I took two weeks off the board for a quarantine and I got back on the board quite weak. I think I'm back to my strength, doing some good paddling, good working, good patient care, loving that. Yeah. Sounds like you're living life, Anna. Yeah, living life for sure. I have to say, as the summer is closing, summer is officially exiting, guys. We were just talking about that. It is. Somebody's flicked a switch and they've turned on winter. Yes. It is chilly, chilly, especially in the evenings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was nice. Summer in quarantine. (laughs) And now it's going to be fall and quarantine. Pumpkin spice lattes with face masks. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so what's going on in the world, my dear? Well, as you know, the international relationship correspondent never sleeps. Always on the lookout for a story. Always got my little spidey senses up and I've got a little something for you today. Gosh, this is impressive. What have you got? <laughs> So, I was reading about the first song that you have at your wedding Ooh. and how it can be a predictor of whether you're going to get divorced or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Go on. So, apparently, they did a study and there are top three songs that you're most likely to, for your marriage to be successful. Mm-hmm. And there's three songs that you're <laughs> most likely to end in divorce. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so excited. Shall we have a little run through? Yes, indeed. Where do you okay. want to start? At the divorce songs or the... Let's start with the divorce songs then we can go on happy. Got it. Okay, so the first dance songs that you're most likely to end in divorce. Number one, Little Things by One Direction. 75% of people split. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm oh. very surprised at the entry for number two mm-hmm. is... Jason Mraz, I'm yours. What? What's wrong with that? 61% of people split (laughs) that had that song. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then song number three is Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. 56% of people split. Okay, that is hilarious. Isn't it? Do you think... I'm wondering, is it accounting for taste? Or is it accounting for if you're trying to kind of be ironic and modern... The marriage gods don't like that. I'm not sure. It's just, it's unbelievable, isn't it? That's really funny. Chasing cars. What's wrong with that? I know. What's wrong with Jason Mraz? I'm yours. Surely that's a, that's a commitment song right there, isn't it? It's very romantic. Absolutely. It's I'm yours. It's in the title. 
Yes. That's kind of the whole point. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm not wow. really sure what's going on. So let's move on to the happy ones then, Anna. So we've got, so the songs that you most likely end up with, Marital Bliss. So number one, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Elton John. Mm. 77% remain together. Mm. Then we've got, Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. Oh. I like a bit of Stevie. Yes, yes. Especially on a Sunday afternoon, bit of Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Prosecco in hand and making a roast dinner. Absolutely. And somebody <laughs> slapping your bottom. No. Nope. <laughs> oh, she just spiced it up a bit there. <laughs> so so if you have this song anyway by Stevie, your seventy-five percent of people stay together that had this song. Wow. And finally, The Way You Look Tonight by Frank Sinatra. Ah. Oh. Beautiful song. Gosh. And seventy-four percent of people stay together that had that song. You know, so there is a big trend. We see what this is, is that the classic songs, Yeah, a choice of a classic song will... Now, I, I don't know, does that mean that if you are choosing an older song, you are older? And as we know, is folks who get married older will have a lower divorce rate statistic. Do you think it's that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it didn't really say about age of people who were getting married, but yeah, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, but you're right. The classics are the best. I think the classics are the best. And I wonder too, I want to put this out there. Okay. Is it possible that when we are honest and are most vulnerable, we are in union with each other, we're, we're successful in the way that we connect with each other, when we just open ourselves up to vulnerability. And choosing an old gem like those songs takes a bit of vulnerability because some people may say, ah, oh, that's not cool. That's such an old song. Oh, I can't believe you chose that. And the people who choose these songs are just hopeless romantics. And they say, this is the song, this old classic by Elton John is what we're going to get on the dance floor with. Whereas if you're wanting to be cool and ironic or just sort of, are you not living your true vulnerable self? <laughs> I love that you've gone with this. I love that you've gone with this, but I actually think you're overthinking it. <laughs> really? Do you think? Oh, <laughs> Okay, I'm called out and I like that. But we did go deep there, Anna. We did, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that was quite nice for a Monday morning. Okay, maybe <laughs> a song is just a song. Maybe. But there's something going on. Those are those are very big statistics. They are, they are big statistics, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a wedding coming up, I know we've got some limitations as to how many people you can have at weddings. And um, apparently there were lots of people who were rushing to get their marriages done before the numbers in the UK, before the numbers you could have at a wedding were reduced. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you are planning a wedding, then maybe really think hard about that first dance. <laughs> exactly. If you want it to be a successful wedding and successful marriage. I completely agree. <laughs> Oh, that was a stellar piece of international news. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, bringing it every week. I'm curious if any listeners want to uh, get back to us about what was your first dance song? Yeah, and are you still together? And are you still together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe we could do a bit of polo on our own. Yeah, we need to explore. Absolutely. So before we move on to that topic, Anna, I need to write a serious wrong. <gasps> what did you do? Well, apparently I've done something that's not great. <gasps> oh, no. Was it legal? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely legal, but unforgivable in the eyes of some. Oh, my God. Okay, tell us. So, a few weeks ago, 
we did a bit of a shout out to a friend of mine who was sat in the garden and she was a first time podcast listener and is now an, uh, a regular listener of our podcast. In doing so, I've managed to upset another friend who didn't get a shout out, who was a massive fan of ours. <gasps> oh no! So, <laughs> And she listens every Thursday morning as soon as the podcast drops. <laughs> wow! So we have to do a bit of a shout out for Rachel. Oh. Because I know she'll be listening as she's walking her dogs. Rachel, hey, how you doing? Happy Thursday morning. (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to Rachel. We're very excited that you log in on Thursday morning. And we hope that we make your Thursday morning a little bit more hilarious and saucy. (laughs) (laughs) And then maybe now we can still be friends. (laughs) Ah, okay. That would be nice. Yes, because we're all about relationship here. We are, we are. And we need to maintain that balance. Wonderful. I dedicate this episode to her. Yeah. So, hot topic. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's go. Okay. So today we're going to talk about divorce and letting go of the joint narrative. Mm, yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I love that this question is so open to interpretation. Yeah. I think often when people think about divorce, the things that stop them is because you've created such a strong life and couple identity together. Mm-hmm. So your identity almost morphs with your other halves and mm-hmm. you've got this strong bond. You've got, you know, maybe years of tradition mm-hmm. built up. You've created a life together. You've got some joint friends, you know, two people become the we and then it's how do you let go of that identity that you had before and you've become you've taken huge life transitions together maybe you've become parents together you've Mm -hmm. taken on a new identity of parent in the same in the same breath together it's huge yeah and I know that you know in my sort of hopeless romantic upbringing is I was just taught and I fully believed that you complete me the relationship will make me whole, that everything will be fine once I have that relationship, then if the relationship should dissolve, then it means that I break apart. Yeah. And lots of people have that view and attachment, Mm -hmm. don't they? I think the reality is we know that no one else can make you whole, only you can. And part of letting go of that joint narrative is actually, you could look at it in a different way, couldn't you? You could look at it as a real chance for exploring who you are as a person exploring what makes you happy getting really curious about what brings joy and peace and and satisfaction into your own life without I suppose the shackles of another person Mm. it's almost like a a rebirth or am I getting too philosophical now (laughs) no wow no I'm following you go on I'm kind of thinking of you know like rising up and just becoming the person that you want to be because we know over time we all change because we've got different influences and uh, experiences that happen and this is a real chance to maybe test out some of those things that you've not been able to do before because you were part of a couple and and you had this joint narrative. Yeah I absolutely agree. I love the sense of opportunity. I feel like a large part of our work is encountering people who have really struggled to find that insight Yeah, and we see that because that conflict plays out in the divorce process is people not wanting Mm. to let go 
fearing the single narrative, fearing the individual narrative. Yeah. And I think that's why divorce lawyers get so much money. I, you know, there was an interview yeah. in a Canadian, in one of the leading Canadian newspapers with two divorce lawyers, sort of about the nuts and bolts and finances. And they said that the biggest question that people ask when they're going for a divorce is, how much is this going to cost? And they tell clients, mm. this will cost as much or as little as you and your partner choose in terms of the approach that you take. So if you decide to hold children or money hostage by not Mm. letting go of that joint narrative, you'll pay a lot of money. Yeah, I think a lot of that though is connected whether you were the one making the decision or the decision was made Mm. for you. So, you know, a lot of the time it is one person who's driving Mm. the desire for a divorce. And, you know, there's often another person that's left behind they're in a different stage they didn't see you come in or or ignored any signs that were there and as a result then I think they can end up in that place where where you're right it is then really really difficult to to see beyond that and to see what happens next and Mm -hmm. and I totally agree there's a there are ways to minimize the cost of divorce and if you can still have that communication and you can come from a more of a rational place than an emotional place um it is possible to limit the costs but i think often when we do see the this side where somebody is struggling to let Mm. go and come to terms with what's happening it's because the decision wasn't Mm. theirs and that's that's a really tough place to Mm. be really tough especially when you think when you get married nobody gets married thinking they're going to divorce generally you're getting married thinking yeah this is it i'm in it for life that 40% divorce rate is for for other people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which when you think about the stats, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is quite mad that none of us think it's going to be us. I'll tell you that where I see the most success is when people let go of the joint narrative when they're still in the relationship. Mm. In a healthy relationship. Yeah. At the start of a relationship. Because I wonder, is the joint narrative ultimately not a helpful thing? Does it prevent us from standing on our own two feet and developing as as individuals and relying upon the relationship to save you, define you, occupy you? So have more of that codependent role within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because our society really, really drives this. It makes a lot of money off of us, these bachelor shows and love at first sight shows that really try to take our money by convincing us that all we need is this relationship. And once that is in the bag, we are complete. We don't have to worry about anything else because the relationship is there to save us. Yeah, It's a really intoxicating untruth. I think you're right. It is a societal thing because, you know, when we're young and we meet somebody, the question is always, when are you getting married? Mm -hmm. Or when are you moving in together? When are you getting married? When are you having a baby? we are conditioned to kind of follow a certain pattern, a certain route. And I do think things are changing over time. So I don't think people don't necessarily feel as obliged to deliver on Mm. all of those things. You know, more and more people are saying no to children. More people are saying no to marriage. You know, so there is that, the pressure that is there from society and families particularly as well, I think, you know, people are are getting slightly stronger in terms of what Mm. they want and how they want to live their life. Uh Aha. And ultimately, that is, that's really good for a relationship. It's really good for your personal development. It is is actually beautiful for a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Professionally and personally, I have experienced 
how irritation and distance can happen when one person is really leaning in and overly reliant on the relationship. So that sounds like our disconnection from that dependence on our relationship can only be a good thing. Yeah, but it's a, it is something that can be quite difficult to mm-hmm. achieve. And I think just pondering on the topic in question, if you've been, particularly if you've been in a relationship for a long time, to then have to find mm-hmm. independence and to, you know, because it, it is possible to just lose yourself in that relationship mm-hmm. And even if you're still, I suppose, independent and, you know, know your own mind, have your own confidence, I still think going from always having somebody there to then suddenly thinking, well, I haven't spoke to anybody all weekend can be really, really difficult to move on from that and to create mm-hmm. a new life. I think it can be really hard. Yeah. And perhaps especially if you got married really young mm-hmm. and perhaps you grew up in this relationship what would be your advice for somebody stepping out and interested in taking on the challenge of letting go of that joint narrative Mm. and assuming the narrative of themselves as individual? What might some of their life rafts be in that? There's a few things that come to mind for me. So one is say yes to more things than you Mm. say no to. So it can be really scary to say yes to things that you've never done before or that you just wouldn't or you'd ordinarily do with your Mm. other half. So I think saying yes more times than you say no and just try out some new things that you've maybe never tried before, I think is a really good thing to do. I think the other thing, which is quite a simple exercise, is to write down in a notebook 10 things and you might not know what they are straight away so don't put pressure on yourself to do it but write down 10 things that you enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and you might collect those over a period of time so I did this exercise a long long time ago and one of the things I really love is going back to bed on a Sunday morning with a cup of tea a book opening Mm -hmm. the curtains and just having some quiet peaceful time and that's quite a simple activity doesn't involve anybody else doesn't cost any money you know it's really easy to do so it's having a list of 10 things that you collect you might even collect them over a three-month mm-hmm. period as you just discover or rediscover who you are mm-hmm. as a person. That sounds wonderful. And I'm thinking about how you may not have had that quiet space when you were with somebody else. Yeah. And as you're experiencing that quiet space, you may say, this is something I could not do in my past relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think gratitude as well. In a, in a time where you feel really down and you're not kind of yourself and you're still recovering because let's face it it is kind of like a grieving Mm. period isn't it when you split from long-term relationship and that's been your everything to then suddenly being catapulted into this world where you don't you don't know who you are anymore you don't know whether you're coming or going you need that healing period Mm. you need that time and it can often feel quite sad and lonely and hard But during those times, the way that we can help with that healing process is to really use Mm -hmm. gratitude. So, as you say, being grateful that I had an hour to read a book and I could do that is something that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or perhaps something and, and allow the insights to come to you is to say, you know, I always did like mountain biking. You may get back into that activity and say, wait a minute, there's a lot of stuff that I really love to do and it doesn't take anybody else to do it. Yeah. It may also give you some perspective on the on the relationship that you're exiting. Yeah. 
because we definitely tend to do the rose-colored glasses nostalgia thing to say, oh, that relationship was so perfect and it was so great. Especially, I think, as you're saying, if you're the person who was the one to find out about the divorce. Mm-hmm. But even that, you may be very surprised to realize that independence is actually a really beautiful thing. Yeah. It is a grieving. Yeah. Letting go of the joint narrative is, it's a death of sorts. Yeah. What's the end of your relationship is you knew it, which is a, you know, a significant part of your life. Even if you've been unhappy, I still think it's, it's still that significant. Mm. And this this is why people stay together, even if they are unhappy, because the thought of not being with somebody can be too much. Mm-hmm. There's a part of you that dies or finishes and is reborn Mm. you undergo a personal transformation when you develop an independent narrative yeah and it's not just that we are scared to let the relationship go but we're scared to let a piece of us go and we're scared of the transition in Mm. general i think yeah but like all things that feeling is only going to last for a certain amount of time Mm. isn't it before you then start to naturally as human beings we're really good at reinventing and uh, rediscovering and and just having a reset in the things that we're doing. I love that you say that. And it's so true. We come through civil war, we come through displacement, we come through incredible loss. Human beings have incredible resilience. Yeah. And it may feel like the end of your world when something as devastating as divorce or end of relationship happens. But the only thing that you can cling on to is to say that we are we are made for this. We're made to get over this. Yeah. And if I can observe and sit with this discomfort and allow it to take its time as opposed to trying to jump into something that will save me. So jump back into the ex, yeah. ex's bed or jump into a rebound relationship or that sort of thing is if we can sit in that uncomfortable silence and tune into our individualism and our individual narrative, we will get through. We will always get through. Yeah. A lot of us just, and I have personal experience with that, where I was just in such pain that I did not want to experience that pain and rebound relationship I went. It was a learning experience, but it wasn't the smartest thing I could have done. Yeah. Although you can have a bit of fun as well. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's very true. Yeah. (laughs) So is there anything else on this before we um, move along to the question? Hmm. Yeah, no, I just, I think what both of us are saying is you're going to be okay. doesn't feel like it, but you're going to be okay. And there are beautiful surprises in store just waiting to be discovered about yourself. Yeah. Be curious, stay strong and give yourself time to heal and recover. Absolutely. Hmm. I feel quite at peace and at one now. (laughs) I think you've put us in a good space, Sarah. I'm very... I'm very appreciative. Yeah, I feel very, yeah, very chilled yeah, now. Yeah. So, question time. Question time. Let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why do men always have to be asked to do the chores and not think of doing them themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I think this was sent in by a woman. What do you think? I think I sent it in. (laughs) (laughs) Does this all sound very familiar, does it? Oh my gosh, why does this ring so true for all of us? (laughs) (laughs) I do have to say before we get started and before I lose my relationship, I do have to give uh, credit to my husband who is taking up all the house duties now over the last two months since I left. And he's shouldering a lot. 
he's shouldering a lot. And I, I give him lots of gold stars for stepping up. <laughs> but it just so happens that as the woman, you're generally the person who kind of just takes on all the chores around the house. And it's only when we go away that things tend to shift, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting. I think, you know, a lot of the time I do believe that um, we've only got ourselves to blame. Like, Mm. I definitely took on that stereotypical role of the wife that can just Mm. do everything and and do it to such a high level. You know, everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be just so... I did all the cooking, like, mostly because I enjoy cooking. But yeah, like did the majority of the sorting out for the kids, like Mm. everything took on all roles and responsibilities. But I have to say, I only had myself to blame. Mm. No no one else made me do that. I could have quite easily have said, I'm not cooking tonight. Someone else is Mm -hmm. sorting out dinner or you go to the shops or you decide what we're going to eat. You know, I could have quite easily have done that and I didn't. So it's my own stupid fault. (laughs) I mean, it's very sweet that you say that. I think we're all in the same boat. And I know where my thing comes from is that I somehow felt like I needed to prove that I was the best at this role, that somehow I'd get lots of accolades or gold stars from my husband if I was seen as a very big domestic player. If that, I saw like a jury of people, including my husband saying, good job. Yes. Way to clean that toilet. Excellent. God, that cat litter is looking (laughs) sparkling. What a wonderful meal you've cooked. Did you have like um, a reward chart for you, Anna? <laughs> it's in my head, exactly. I've got like... Absolutely. Did you have a sticker chart? <laughs> yes. Yeah, in my head, all these things were at play. And, you know, as we inevitably do, we get a little ticked off and pissed off that uh, things don't get picked up, socks are strewn around, or there's nothing to eat at home if we're not doing it. And eventually mm. we break and say, this is ridiculous. And we start yelling at our at our dudes. Yeah, but they've got no idea what's going on because they thought everything was grand. And then all exactly. of a sudden, Mount Vesuvius yes. has just exploded in the kitchen and there goes another crockery set. Cro- <laughs> Our podcast, Crockery Set Destruction. It's like the Greek opa. <laughs> Out comes the pin, the hand grenade's going in. <laughs> Absolutely. I love our our allegories or our metaphors for destruction. We do have a few on this podcast. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, and I have hit that uh, hand grenade moment, many hand grenade moments with my husband. And why don't you do this? And And it has taken me some time to realize that we never sat down at the start of our relationship, at the start of our domestic relationship to figure out where our division of labor was because I just kind of took on everything to start. Yeah. And maybe the reverse is true. A lot of guys may say, look, I was responsible for this or that, whether it's, and I won't sort of go into stuff to sort of reinforce stereotypes, but there's a lot of stuff that guys will often take on in a very sort of traditional yeah. stereotypical way. And perhaps they yeah. resent those roles that they've kind of been cubbyhole into. Yeah. And often when work, we're in that blame cycle where we're blaming somebody else for everything in the universe that's yep. happening. And our whole <laughs> entire existence of unhappiness is obviously someone yes. else's fault. <laughs> what we don't do is to stop and think, well actually what did what is it that mm. they do? You know, what are the areas that they where they pick mm. up the slack? And am I grateful for those elements? Because you're right, there will be things that they're doing. I mean not in all cases you do hear kind of some stories of 
the guy's just, you know, in Xbox yeah. heaven and does absolutely nothing at all. In which case then you need to have more than a serious conversation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you need to throw out the Xbox. <laughs> well, yeah, quite. <laughs> Stop feeding the electricity meter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, in a lot of instances, there will be give and take. There will be things that are being done on both sides. And, and it's maybe about understanding what mm. is going on um, and just taking a step back. But as anything, if you're unhappy about something, you've got to raise the subject, right? I did have this conversation with a friend uh, a few months ago and she was really annoyed that a fella wasn't doing something mm. that you wanted him to. And I said, well, have you asked him? She said, well, no, he should just know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, that will mind yes, reading trick. That yeah, always yeah. works so well. Because yeah. <laughs> partners are great at that. Just like oh, we're yes. really great at reading our other half's mind. <laughs> not <laughs> not <laughs> absolutely not oh. absolutely. so yeah so there has to be a conversation right that just says actually I'm getting really annoyed I was happy to take on this role but I've realized that it feels a little bit unfair mm. on my side like what could we do about it yeah and I've had I've had these discussions and been shocked to realize just how much I was assuming yeah I think there's a few hard and fast rules that anybody in relationship needs to know that will save their sanity. When you get into relationship in the, the, that initial flush of energy and desire and dopamine, you'll probably recall a time when you seem to be doing a lot of mutual favors for each other and a lot of pitching in. Oh, I remember we spent a weekend together and we were both cooking dinner equally. Where did that go? And now I find I'm doing everything. Mm. We feel like that initial flush was reality and that somehow our partner has just lost interest and lost love for us. And that now is just slacking mm. off. But whatever was there in the very, very beginning there was not a lot of reality in that. We do a lot of stuff that we don't care to because we want to impress somebody because we've got that short-term kick of gas in the tank for that desire, to feed that desire. But as that fades away and we're sort of left with a day-to-day -day relationship, which is sort of the long marathon, you're not going to see those beautiful sort of uh, spontaneous gestures. And it's going to come down to the hard work of saying, this is what I need to not only feel like I'm living in a somewhat organized residence, but also these are the things that, that make me feel loved. Yeah. And this division of labor is not just us kind of figuring out how to be roommates. It's, it's me feeling like I am respected mm. and that my partner actually wants to help yeah. and that I want to help my partner. Yeah. That word respect came up for me when you were just talking there. Yeah, it is about that. It's having that mutual respect for each other, for each other's time, for each other's energy levels and it really is about you supporting each other I mm. think you know one of the best things that you can do in a relationship is to support each other and that comes down to even the small things around stuff that needs to be done joint things mm. that need to be done joint responsibilities and support each other in that yeah it's important and if you want to know why you're feeling so angry and frustrated when your guy doesn't pick up his socks it's because fundamentally you feel disrespected and unloved. And you have to understand that's yeah. the feeling you're having. That's why you're so angry. That's why the crockery pots are, that the crockery sets are, are getting destroyed <laughs> is because your fundamental value of, of feeling respect from your partner and feeling a respectful relationship that is being broken. Yeah. This is no small thing. This stands for a much larger battle in your relationship. Yeah. There's a great um, line in a film uh, where this girl has to write about what her dad does 
for a school project and she writes this amazing thing which is my dad's the one that drives when everyone else is tired oh and I just I love that and I use it I'll say I'm just too tired today someone I need someone else to drive and it's a really good way of just putting across that actually there's nothing in my tank today I need someone else to take the slack oh that is gosh that stops you in your tracks that's so gorgeous yeah and the other thing, to, you know, funny enough, the way that I saw that is maybe it's nice to take inventory of the things that you do bring to relationship. And you mentioned gratitude earlier is to say, what are the things that my partner is doing on an everyday basis? I may not notice them all that much, but what are what are some of yeah. the sacrifices that they're making or the gestures that they're making? Yeah. And one of the great tools that we know and we use with clients is your top three list. Mm. Do you remember this tool, Anna? Oh, I do. Talk us through. Yeah. So what you could do at the end of the day is is to write a list of, or during the day, actually throughout the day, you, you start collecting this list of, of the three things that you can do it in this instance. You do it, the three things that I'm really grateful for, or the three things that I've really noticed about my partner that's made mm-hmm. me happy today. And throughout the day, that list might change. So the there might be something that's even better that knocks off kind of one of the one mm. of your top three, and it's replaced by something that was even better than that. And then just before you go to sleep at the end of the day, just really reflect on that end list, that final list. What does that top three look mm. like today? And it's just a beautiful way of of having that recognition for your partner and for the relationship that you've mm. got together. Because even if things are tough, there'll still be something that they've done that has made your you know, made you happy on the inside and brought Mm. joy and starting to understand those and reflect on them is a really, a really useful tool. Oh my gosh. I absolutely agree. I can think of two things going on for me is one is my dude is calling every single day and he doesn't like doing that. (laughs) I don't think he's a, he's not a guy who likes conversation, but he actually, I think that he understands that it is important for a relationship and it means something to me to hear from him every day. That's lovely. It is. It's gorgeous. And the other thing too, is that when I'm actually there, I think you and I both share this with our men is, is that he makes chai, he makes tea in the morning. Yeah. And he may be the first one up from time to time. And, you know, he's the person who has to feel sleepy and maybe I'm still in bed and I get tea in bed. And it's a, it's a huge gesture. Yeah. He always thinks of me when he's making chai. He never makes chai for one. He's always making it for two. Beautiful. I know. But I have had to realize that if I want parity or equity in the division of household chars, I have to ask. The words have to come out of my mouth and physically enter my partner's ears. There's no other way that he's going to know what needs to be done. Yeah. And, you know, surprising things happen. I realize, you know, it's not just me delegating the tasks and saying, okay, you do this, you do that. There's a partnership he may have views about. And one of the things that I learned is when I was freaking out one time saying, you know, the house is a mess, you know, you, I'm always cleaning and sweeping in the bathroom, etc. And he said, I don't perceive the mess. I think that we have different definitions of when things need to be cleaned. <laughs> and it sounds yeah. shocking, but I actually had to look and say, oh, you know, maybe I am cleaning a bit too much. Maybe if we look back, <laughs> I can probably relax a little bit on when the dust around the toilet has to be swept up. Maybe it doesn't have to be done at my frequency. And I've actually relaxed my requirements and I've actually reached a happy spot because I find he's now pitching in because he's he's noticing that things need to be done. 
it's finding that level of compromise, isn't it? And meeting in the middle. Yeah, it's important because he said, I'm not going to clean on your frequency because your frequency (laughs) is too much. And so there was a lesson in there for me to learn. Big one. (laughs) (laughs) Let go of the cleaning. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Step away from the sweeping brush. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And as a result of which, I'm not huffing around the house in, you know, silent passive aggressiveness. And, you know, not as much anyway. Still comes up from time to time. (laughs) But it's amazing what happens Um, when you let control, let off the pedal in the control factor. Because you'll find they can really step up and do some amazing stuff. Amazing cleaning, maybe starts cooking some amazing meals. When we lose, when we let go of this need to control and to take all the kudos for being the housekeeper, when we let go of that control and allow compromise, it's amazing what your partner can step up and do. Yeah. So there's a lesson for the listeners this week. Mm-hmm. So I guess the final closing thought, I think connected with that question, is if there's something in your life that you're not happy with in your relationship, then The only way to deal with it is by raising the subject Mm. and really thinking about what part am I playing in allowing this to happen? How am I the enabler in this situation? Oh, yes. Sorry to break that bad news to you. Yes. (laughs) I think every listener was kind of expecting us to trash dudes for just being lazy jerks all the time. (laughs) And I'm afraid, no listener, we've got some hard truths. Yeah. And this is a no judgment zone as well. It's a no judgment zone, but it's a take no shit zone. Yeah. I think what you're saying is, I'm not going to give you an easy pass. And I'm not going to let you keep telling these stories that are not serving you. Yeah. It's tough love, guys, but it's how we roll on this podcast. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Right. As much as I don't want to end, I feel like we need to. (laughs) I feel like we're just clinging on, you know, those awkward guests at the end of a party that won't leave. (laughs) I kind of feel like that's us now and we're just disrupting everyone's day. I think so. Well, but if I may reframe, what I feel like is when you go to the pub for a nice lunch (laughs) and beer and you keep drinking and then you just keep staying on and all the evening guys come in after work and then you just turn into the (laughs) evening pubber when you actually started drinking hours before. That's what I feel like our podcasts are turning into. Just the party that you actually don't want to end. It's so good. You're just going to... You're just going to move into nighttime drinking. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But it has been a pleasure this week. Yes, it has. Very enjoyable. I feel my ass has been kicked a little bit in a good way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's always good when that happens. Oh, it is. Right. Okay, I'm going to call. I'm going to close it. We're going to say goodbye to the listeners. And hi to Rachel. (laughs) We're going to go overboard. Then Jackie's going to get upset, all right? Oh, that's true. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so till next week, it's been fun as ever. And um, tune in again. All right. Bye, everyone. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.